up, everybody? Welcome to another installment of the Roots, Rednecks, and Radicals podcast. Today, we're going to learn something new and interesting in the world of Americana, Roots, and folk music. But before we get to that, I want to say a quick reminder to like, follow, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this. And if you're on social media, give me a follow if you haven't already. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Just search up the name of the show and you'll find me there. All right, let's get to today's episode. On today's episode, I'm doing a breakdown on what makes a song great. I've been thinking about this for quite some time now and decided to do a episode where I break down three different songs, Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain by Mr. Willie Nelson, um, Fancy by Bobby Gentry, and Brandy Carlisle's The Joke. These are three songs that I think are fantastic and I do a, a, a pretty comprehensive breakdown of these songs, what makes them fantastic and why they stick in our minds and what makes them a well-written song. So here you go. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right. I want to move into a discussion about uh, songwriting and songs. What makes a song great? I was uh, scrolling through social media this last week and I came across a a post from a creator on TikTok, and uh, I forget what his name is. To be honest, I was following him. It's pretty good stuff. Pretty good, interesting um, uh, viewpoints on on. He's uh, mainly um, talking about country music, but um, uh, I, I stopped following him a while ago. But um, anyway, one of his, his videos popped up, and he was he was talking about this this viral song that came out uh, last August uh, August of, of twenty twenty three. Um, you may have heard it. It um, it was from a, an artist named uh, Oliver Anthony, and it went uh, super viral and had these kind of political overtones about uh, welfare and uh, uh, fudge rounds and stuff. And if you know, you know. But uh, uh, nonetheless, the video was talking about these comments that Jason Isbell uh, made about the song that went viral. It was basically making the point that it's it's not I mean say what you will about you know whether you agree with the perspective on it it's not a very well written song and so this guy kind of took umbrage with that and got all upset when I but it got me thinking about like what does make a song great uh, what is it about songs that live forever songs that move people songs that um, affect different generations of people songs that continue to be in the public consciousness in the public mindset long after it's been released and it's a pretty fascinating question uh what 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 really does make a song great and so i was just kind of spinning my head about you know what are some of my favorite songwriters and what are my favorite songs and so i wanted to do a whole kind of breakdown on three songs that i think are great that are classic and uh, two of them are are older one of them's only a few years old i think uh, five years old at this point but uh, nonetheless i wanted to talk about this um, this 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 idea this concept of of uh, what is it that does a that makes a song great and and do a little breakdown of that so I have three songs chosen for you we're going to talk about Willie Nelson and his song Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain then we're going to talk about Bobby Gentry and her song Fancy now you may be familiar with the Reba McIntyre version of it that um, uh, it was much more popular popular than the original but Bobby Gentry wrote the song and released it in 1967 I believe may have been 68 and then then uh, the last song is Brandy Carlisle and her song "The Joke," which came out in 2018 and is uh, uh, is, a, is a beautiful song. So I'm going to go over all three of these and just give you a little breakdown of them. So here's my analysis of what makes "Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain" such a great song. Now, give you a little context for it. It comes off of an album. 
that Willie Nelson released in the mid-70s. It's a concept album called Redheaded Stranger. And uh, if you listen to it from uh, point A to point B, it has uh, a story to it. And uh, it's, it's this, this love story and whatnot. Uh, but, uh, but, but there's a number of songs that he put into his live act and that were hits for him. And Blue Eyes Kind of Crying in the Rain is probably the biggest one off of that album. And it's just really interesting that it, it fits into the concept story, but it can also uh, be a, a, a single as well, which is quite the feat to pull off you know like imagine pulling a chapter out of a book and just giving it to people and just being like what do you think of this chapter you know and they're like that's one of the greatest chapters ever written you know it's kind of a weird a weird thing but i think just is is sort of a testament to willie nelson's songwriting ability and all those sorts of things so what is it about this song that makes it so great first off i think uh, simple production now that's not to say that a song has to have simple production but uh but it, it could be much more um uh, uh, m- m- arranged in a more complex way but at the end of the day i really think that a song has to be able to stand on its own so like a person playing it on acoustic guitar or a person playing it on piano uh stripping it down to its bare bones does the song still work in that setting i think that's a that's a big criteria for what makes a song great and this one absolutely um uh, definitely fits into that 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 uh, category so simple production uh, not just the the production of the recording but um uh, simple arrangement and, and and simple uh, construction, I guess you could say, of the song. I think another main element of what makes a song memorable is the melody. The melody has to be something that sticks in your head. Now, melodies can stick in your head in a bad way. If you ever have a uh, an, an earworm from a commercial or something like that, there's a whole skill set to uh, writing jingles um, that I think is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, I don't think anyone would call a jingle um, a, a well-written song. But uh, there is something to coming up with a catchy tune that gets stuck in your head. And uh, if you don't believe me, try and do it. You know, just like right now, just, you know, try and make up, up something that, that'll get stuck in somebody else's head. You know, whistle a tune, hum it, pick up a guitar, do it on piano, whatever. Like come up with a melody. It, it, it's hard. Like melodies, melodies are are sort of ethereal. Like they just sort of exist. They just kind of come out of nowhere, and your your, your brain kind of puts them together. It's 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 a weird thing. So it has to be memorable and um and and, and something that you can uh, come back to over and over again. Also, I feel like the story or the message of the song has to pull you in. There has to be some sort of uh, empathetic connection to it. There has to be some sort of emotional connection to this song and um, you want to know more about what is happening with the people involved in the song now the first two are stories about fictional characters the last one's more of what i would call a protest song Um, but either way whether you're talking about made-up characters fictional characters or or some kind of a protest song you have to make some sort of connection with other people that that gives them some some buy-in into the song Um, i think this song is is really interesting because there's a setting um he says in, in in the twilight glow I saw her when we kissed goodbye and parted um, there's this 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 simple thing happening between two characters but um, but but just the the sort of getting the, the skeleton of the story uh, allows you to construct in your own mind uh, like what's going on uh, with the with the characters in the story and all that so let's go ahead and take a listen to um, blue eyes crying in the rain I'm gonna uh, pause it and, and and talk about things as we go but let me uh, let me pull this up and we'll listen to the first uh, beginning part of it in twilight glow I see Blue eyes cry in rain When 
by and part I knew we'd never all right, so just right there, yeah. So that's that that first line that I'm talking about. Uh, when we kissed goodbye and parted, I knew we'd never uh, meet again. Um, so there's, yeah, there's just these two characters. We don't learn their names. Uh, there's there's mystery surrounding them, which I think is another um, element that makes the song great. Um, because at the end of the day, you want to show and not tell, and so you want the listener to be thinking about this, to be constructing a story in their own mind. Um, I also think that uh, another thing that he does well in the song is that there's um, a, there's a metaphor. But it's not a cliche, and uh, um, uh, he gets into things like love is like a dying ember. Um, in the in the next line, uh, only memories remain. Um, cliche is the enemy of good songwriting, and there's only so many ways to say things, and so there's a certain cleverness that that, that comes around coming up with with good memorable lines. And so there's and there's also a very thin line between um, um, something being very well written and it, it venturing into cliche. And of course it's subjective. Some people might think it's a cliche, but uh, but I think Willie Nelson um, pulls it off in this one. So let's listen to a little bit more of this. Love is like a dying ember and only memories remain Okay, a couple other things. Um, you have his his guitar trigger, that classic American, uh, classic Willie Nelson guitar, and then also just a faint hint of accordion in the background, which is really cool. Uh, knowing that he's he's from Texas, he's a Texas singer songwriter, and that whole Tex-Mex thing, the accordion is really um, important instrument. And uh, I did my whole a whole breakdown on Mexican music where I talk about the accordion being brought by German immigrants into Mexico and then uh, working its way up north uh, into the Norteño sound, the conjunto tejano kind of sound. Uh, but but you can hear it here as a as an essential element in this uh, this Willie Nelson tune as well. Let's listen to a little bit more. And through the ages, I'll remember blue eyes crying in the rain. All right. So a couple other things about this. Um, uh, love is like a dying ember. Um, love is this very vague term. Now, it's it, it, in the context of the song, I think it's pretty clear this is a romantic um, uh, love uh, sort of relationship. But also, um, it, the, when when a song is about love and is about a a, um, a relationship between two people, the, it, it allows a certain amount of vagueness to where you can apply this to not just romantic relationships, but maybe also friendships, maybe also um, family relationships, and uh, reflect on uh, family re- me- uh, relationships that may be broken, that may. You have a, uh, a a cousin, a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad that you're having a, a, a hard time with. That you're um, having boundary issues. You know, fa- families can be very, very difficult. And so, the, I think these songs don't always necessarily have to be romantic love that it's talking about. That human relationships are very difficult. There's 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 a there's a whole sort of dance that goes along with with uh, spending time with another person, with with getting to know another person, with being vulnerable with another person. And so, I, th- I think songs like this allow for that vagueness and allow for the the listener to listen to that and uh and think about it and reflect upon things and and it can be very meaningful um to 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 people and help them process uh difficult things now um uh, after the 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 verse and then the chorus then there's just a little um instrumental part which is very beautiful and sparse and i think probably um people don't think of willie nelson necessarily as a great guitar a great soloist um you know uh as a guitar player but but he has a very um uh taste 
useful way of playing this. It's really interesting. Let's listen to this a little bit. talk about this line here someday when we meet up yonder so there's this kind of uh, pie in the sky religious um, overtone to it um uh in in the land that knows no parting now people have become less and less religious in our modern uh culture people go to church less and all that there's still a lot of uh, markers of religious things we just got done with the christmas season and uh, see there's all kinds of you know um uh, religious things around town and in people's houses and the celebration and all that kind of stuff um but um uh, even though people have become um less religious uh it, it doesn't mean that um, that there isn't still pain and suffering um that um that we, we still live in a world full of, of pain and suffering, full of broken relationships. And, um, and so re- religion and philosophy in general is, is about mankind trying to come to terms with that. It's about mankind trying to understand their own mortality, about understanding that they are, are, are born, they'll live a life, and then they'll pass away. Everyone that you know at, at some point is going to die. And, and it's like walking around with the, the conscious understanding of that, is pretty heavy, you know? <laughs> and so um, us humans have been floating around on this rock for um, in our modern form, in our homo sapien form, for hundreds of thousands of years now. And for some reason, we have this 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 form of consciousness that seems to be different than other creatures. And, you know, I don't know, I don't think my dog is is walking around thinking about, you know, one day that, that I'll pass away and one day that the dog will pass away. I don't think uh, other animals are processing um, that, that their consciousness in the way that humans do. And so you know, that, that's really where religion comes from. That's really where philosophy comes from. And I, I really think that there's a spiritual component to, to, to good songwriting in the sense that it's helping people connect to themselves, helping people become more human, un, helping people understand their, their human experience on this earth. And so, um, uh, you know, sort of alluding to uh, these religious overtones. You know, I don't know how religious Willie Nelson is. I don't I've never spoken to him about his religious beliefs, but um, but again, the vagueness of this um, it, it doesn't tie itself to one religion. You know, it has like Christian roots or whatever. But uh, but it but allows the listener to just sort of um, uh, ponder and process and, and, and think about those things as well. Let's listen to a, a little bit more of this here. We. All right, so there you go. What a beautiful song. You know, every time you hear it, every time I hear it at least, um, I'm just like, whew. That's heavy, Willie. That's good stuff. Great songwriting. So, yeah, it came out uh, four or five years before I was born, and it's still a thing, and people still love that song, and it's still very moving to people. So, there you go. That's my first choice. Now, next one is Bobby Gentry and her song, Fancy. Now, in the 90s, 
90s country was booming and Reba did this song and it was great and it's empowering and it's very female centric and all that fantastic. Nothing against the Reba McIntyre version. I think everyone is happy with that and there's nothing negative to be said about Reba's version. Her voice is incredible and she's a strong independent woman and uh, she just absolutely nailed that song. But Bobby Gentry is, um, is a talent unto herself. Now, first off, shout out to my buddy Jim Bowers who gave me this album, was hanging out at his house, me and my wife, um, having dinner and he, he sent me home with a couple of records which how cool is that you know um he says that he buys extra records uh so that he can gift them to people um that, that have the same taste or you kind of picture musical taste and so uh fantastic he gave me a willie nelson live uh record and then he gave me uh, fancy as well by Bobby Gentry, recorded at um, uh, Muscle Shoals Recording Studio in the, in the late 1960s. And I need to look this up. I still haven't looked it up. I'm not going to say it because I haven't looked it up. I don't want to put out misinformation. But in the, anyway, uh, recorded there in Muscle Shoals, and uh, it's just a classic recording. Um, so nothing changes between the Bobby Gentry version and the Reba. She, she, you know, she sings notes a little bit differently here and there. The production you know, uh, is, is more modern and whatnot, but uh, nonetheless, the, the song is basically the same. Um, in this song, there's great setting. There's characters developed uh, pretty early. In the first few lines of the song, we learned so much about the characters. Uh, one, Fancy, uh, she's, she's just turning 18. She's poor, and uh, her mom spends every penny they have to buy her a dancing dress. Um, there's a sense of desperation in the air, um, and you're already kind of wondering what's going on. Um, Mama, in the first couple of lines, gets, gets her dressed up, and then uh, uh, she... Uh, um, she sings the, the line, standing back from the looking glass to the woman where a half-grown kid had stood. Um, the, the, in, in the first verse, there's so, so, so much happening. Let's take a listen to um, to this first verse, and then I'm going to um, try to chime in as, as the song goes. Here he goes. This is Fancy by Bobby Gentry. I remember it all very well. Looking back, it was the summer I turned 18. We lived in a one-room run-down shack on the outskirts of New Orleans. We didn't have money for food or rent, to say the least, we were hard-pressed. Then Mama spent every last penny we had to buy me a dancing dress. Mama washed and combed and curled my hair, and she painted my eyes and lips. And then I stepped into my satin dancing dress that was split on the side, clean up to my hips. Okay, first off, pause just here. Um, this song is groovy, you know? when It, it, it starts out kind of sparse, you kind of wondering where it's going to go, and then when it comes in... The bass, it's just like, oh, yeah, there's, like, there's a groove to it. So, so many things going on. One, the story is incredible. The story pulls you in really quick. Uh, the song is, is is groovy as hell. I mean, it's great. You know, it just sounds awesome. You start kind of like tapping your foot and bobbing your head to it. Uh, so that's getting very, uh, very um, uh, reminiscent of what's going to come in the 70s in country music. There's a lot of a lot of great grooves in the, in the um, uh, 70s country. So let's go back and listen to it a little bit more. Oh, no, I pressed the wrong button. No, I didn't press the wrong button. There, something else weird happened. Okay, there we go. All right. And staring back from the looking glass was a woman where a half grown kid had stood. Here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. Here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. Lord, forgive me for what I do. But if you want out, well, it's up to you. Now, don't let me down. Your mama's going to help you move uptown. 
So here we go. So we're getting some insights into um, uh, this, this person. She's, she's going through a transition stage in her life, uh, which we've all done and we can relate to. We've all, you know, if you're an adult, you were a teenager at one point. So you understand that whole sort of adolescence process and how difficult that can be. Um, even though very few of us have gone through what she goes through, we can still empathize with the, uh, with the thing. Now, uh, the chorus is short but catchy. Here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. Um, uh, there's a lot there. Again, uh, if I had to pick one term to kind of summarize this song, it would be desperation. Like there's just a sense of uh, desperation around the whole thing. All right, so um, so we got the first verse, the first chorus. Now we're moving into uh, the second verse where we learn a little bit, a little bit Mama more about. Mama, little bit of perfume on my neck, and she kissed my cheek, and I saw the tears well up in her troubled eyes when she started to speak. She looked at a pitiful shack, and then she looked at me and took a ragged breath. Your paws run off, and I'm real sick, and the baby's gonna starve to death. All right, so there you go. Um, uh, the baby's going to starve to death, paws run off, all that. So, again, with the, the desperation, the, the lack of resources, and uh, uh, Mama thinking that this is the one um, one chance that she can give her daughter. She handed me a heart-shaped locket that said to thine own self be true. And I shivered as I watched roach crawl across the toe of my high shoe. All right, so that line right there is fantastic. Uh, hands her a locket that says to thine own self be true. And then there's this juxtaposition with a roach crawling over her her high heel shoe. I love that. It's great imagery, right? So in 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 music with poetry, with prose, with with books, with literature, you have so much space with songs. You know, songs basically have to be three minutes if they're going to be radio songs and that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, you, you can do whatever you want with a song, but if you want to have a, a, a just a sort of a modern country pop folk whatever type song, you got you know three four minutes to to deal with, and you only have a certain amount of lines. And so, so throwing something like that in there, you know, juxtaposing that um, that locket that that she's given her with a roach crown across the shoe. That, that's what a, what a great touch. I love that line in that song. It sounded like somebody else that was talking, asking, Mama, what do I do? Just be nice to the gentleman, fancy, and they'll be nice to you. All right, so that line that she cries out, Mama, what do I do? Like, imagine that she, you know, she's this teenage girl, and her mom's like, you know, uh, in this situation, and uh, is, is giving her all this stuff, and she's basically like handing her over to some guy, um, and and she says, Mama, what do I do? And Mama replies, Just be nice to the gentleman, fancy. They'll be nice to you. That is terrifying. That is. <laughs> That is horrible, um, and I'm not judging Mama. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying that she did the wrong thing. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, uh, do anything like that. I'm just like, you know, you put yourself in that character's point of view, and it's just like, what? Like such a such a powerless character. And so this is this is great too because it gives us this great character arc, right? Like Fancy starts off as low as you can get, and then we see where she grows um, uh, in, in the rest of the song, right? So now we go into the uh, into the, the second time through the chorus. Here's your one chance, Fancy. Don't let me down. Last time I saw my mom, the night left that rickety shack. Cause the welfare people came and took the baby. Mom died, and I ain't been back. All right, so there's definite tragedy here. So the welfare people come and take the baby. Uh, Mama dies, and uh, things aren't looking good. But they start to uh, start to turn um, uh, right around here. But the wheels of fate started to turn, and me there was no way out. And it wasn't very long till I knew exactly what my mom had been talking about. I did what I had to do, but I made myself a solemn vow. 
That I was gonna be a lady someday Though I didn't know when I I couldn't see spending the rest of my life With my head hung down in shame I might have been born just plain white trash But fancy was my name Alright, that's one of the greatest songs So empowering Might have been born just plain white trash But fancy was my name I love that Love that line. Uh, I, I love that um, that she's a strong uh, female character that isn't being defined by like the um, the, uh, the the romantic interest in her life, and um, and you start to see that she's uh, becoming herself. And and I think you know any successful adult at some point um, you, you you transition from that time where when you're a kid your parents kind of do everything for you and you know like wash the dishes and clean the house and at some point you move out and you have to become like your own person. And uh, there's, uh, you know, I think all of us have a, a moment where you, you start to go, yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this myself. Like I, I have to rely on myself and um, and just make it happen. So that's cool. It's a good moment of the song. Here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. Here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. It wasn't long after a benevolent man took me in off the street. All right, so eventually her fortunes turn. Uh, she finds a benevolent man. I guess you would call him a pimp. Um, I think that's, that's what's going on here. And uh, she becomes this uh, successful sex worker, um, which, you know, again – Go back. This is 1967, right? Like, it's still like this is a this is a topic that in today's world is sketchy. This is a topic that in today's, you know, uh, we talk about prostitutes or we talk about strippers or we talk about um, anyone in that industry. It's um, it's it's something that you don't bring up in polite conversation uh, very often. So uh, how much more so in 1967? So that's that's pretty uh, wild. But nonetheless, uh, she she finds this uh, benevolent man, um, and then uh, she uh, in the next couple lines she charms a king a congressman an occasional aristocrat and she gets herself a georgia mansion and a new york townhouse flat so let's see what well, charmed a king a congressman and an occasional aristocrat and i got me a georgia mansion and an elegant new york townhouse flat and i ain't done that another thing i love is the background vocals they're, they're kind of sassy you know and they're like yes she does So the last verse is this sort of like moral reckoning. Um, so she, she's not only financially successful, but she owns her own lifestyle. Um, her character arc uh, comes to a close. Um, in the beginning, you're kind of terrified for her, uh, but now she's triumphing over adversity and uh, has you know become her own successful ter- person. And uh, also, one other thing I just wanted to throw in here too: being a Nevadan, I've always been confused by the hypocrisy. Um, of how people think of sex work and sex workers, um, you know, like here in Carson City, like we live like ten minutes away from one of the most famous brothels in the world. I mean, I was on a you know HBO TV show and all that. It's pretty normalized here. Just people know the industry exists and 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 you know it's it's there, it's out there. Um, and so it, it's always seemed a little bit weird to me, a little bit hypocritical of uh, how people deal with with all that stuff. So um, so that's just kind of an interesting thing. But um, yeah, let's go ahead and finish up the song here. And don't I ain't had to worry about nothing for now, oh, 15 years. I can still hear the desperation in my poor mama's voice ringing in my ear. Here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. Here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. Lord, forgive me for what I do, but if you want out, well, it's up to you. And don't let me down, your mama's gonna help you move 
uptown. Mama's gonna help you move you uptown. I love it. Good job, Mama. I guess she did. I guess she did. <laughs> cool, cool. All right. So that is fancy, and uh, you know, I really like um, I, I like the Reba McIntyre version as well. But um, but I, I think the um, the production on that one is is pretty cool as well. It's totally different. Like they have totally different vibes. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's kind of a cool thing. All right. So that is the first two songs. We got Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain. We got Fancy by Bobby Gentry. And uh, the next one we're going to talk about is Brandy Carlisle. And her song, The Joke. Now, again, this is more of a protest song. It's not a, a, a character, a fictionalized character doing things and learning things about their life. Um, this is more of a, a, a protest song. And, and, and they can take on many different forms. Um, this is a protest song, but it's really uh, about empathizing with marginalized people. So it's not really about any political structure or a politician or a world event or anything like that. It's more about um, uh, raising awareness and empathy for marginalized people in general. Um, so, um, yeah, we're going to get into the the, the, the two different um, uh, groups and, and kind of, again, the very broad, vague nature uh, uh, allows you to uh, sort of write in whatever type of person you're thinking about so let's go ahead and get started on this this is uh brandy carlisle the joke starts off with some beautiful piano some violin just a very minimalist drums and then of course brandy carlisle's voice which is unbelievable you're feeling nervous aren't you boy with your quiet voice and impeccable style Okay, so first off, um, uh, who who is this boy, and who does the boy represent? Well, I, I think um, it, most likely um, this is referring to, in a broad term, LGBTQ um, young people. Um, and it's kind of picking a character, doesn't identify um, him or how he identifies or anything like that. Uh, but the implication I think is there, but it, it, again, it's also vague enough to where you can kind of uh, write in whatever marginalized type of person that you're talking about. And um, I think that's, that's, that's a good thing. So quiet voice, impeccable style, his gentle ways. You know, if you're a guy in America brought up in, in the time period I was brought up in, or even, you know, still today, there's just an expectation that you're going to be rough and tumble. There's an expectation that you're going to like football. There's an expectation that you're going to like blue collar things. And, uh, you know, I always like that stuff. I mean, I like fishing, hunting, I like shooting stuff. I like guns and, and, uh, you know, all that kind of <laughs> rule stuff. I think it's fun. I think, you know, riding horses, rodeo stuff is, is cool. Um, but not everyone is into that. You know, and uh, there's this this weird expectation that if you're if you're a guy, you have to be a dude, you have to be a man, you have to be tough, you have to do, you know, blah, 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 this stuff. And so if you're not into that, if you're into having impeccable style and being gentle and having a quiet voice, you're instantly marginalized, even if you're straight, even if you're bi, even if you don't, you know, um, identify in any way as uh, LGBTQ. And so it's. um yeah, it's 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 rough for kids like that um, across the nation, urban, suburban, um, uh, uh, rural, where, wherever you're wherever you're um, being raised, that can be a difficult thing. So, um, yeah, so so we learned just a little bit about um, this first character here. Don't ever let them steal your joy and your gentle ways to keep them from running wild. They can kick dirt in your face, dress you down and tell you that your place is in the middle when they hate the way you shine. 
That line there, that always kills me. I see you tugging on your shirt. As a teacher, you know, I've taught uh, thousands of kids at this point in my career. I've taught over 20 years. And so uh, you, you can just kind of read emotions in, in, in kids. And, and so when you see a kid tugging at their shirt, trying to hide, trying to become smaller, trying to just disappear, it's heartbreaking. Uh, you know, and you just you, you want to just fix everything for that kid when you see him uh, like that. So, yeah, that line always always gets me. Trying to hide inside of it. Okay, before we get to the course, that's the other thing too is that all of us have been in that situation, right? Like very few of us were like the you know star quarterbacks, cheerleader, whatever of our high school. So all of us at at some point uh, were the 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 uncool kid kind of being marginalized. So I think um, uh, most of us can identify with that um, tugging on your shirt, trying to hide how much it hurts. We've been pushed aside, been mocked, forgotten. Uh, We all know how it feels. And I love that she's trying to just be this voice of encouragement uh, for people in those situations. Now we're moving into the the, the chorus. good good i've been to the movies and i've seen how it ends and i know the jokes on them i mean how many people do you know that were weird in high school and then later became amazing you know whatever um almost every musician that i know of um either dropped out of high school or had a terrible time in high school and uh, our high schools are designed for one type of kid um and it's designed for essentially middle class well i guess maybe wealthy kids too but like Normal public schools where normal humans go um, are, are basically designed for, for, for middle class kids and uh, kids who don't fit into that system are instantly marginalized. You know, you have to learn how to do the school thing and the kids who are naturally good at it, naturally successful at it, good for them, whatever. I'm glad that they have good experiences. Uh, but I'm telling you, there's there's millions and millions and millions of kids who have terrible experiences at school and it breaks my heart as a teacher um and i've I've tried my best in my career um to mitigate that as much as i can but um it it just kind of is what it is you can't i i can't change and fix the entire system so um so yeah that's one of the things i love most about the song and then she goes in this chorus and then it just builds into this boom the violins come in the drums come in full let's listen to a little bit All right, so this verse then um, moves into um, a uh, to, to a girl, um, and um, uh, it was originally um, the second verse was written about um, refugees, uh, but can equally be applied to immigrants. When you're listening to it, um, uh, it, to me, when I first heard it, I thought she was talking about immigrants coming from Mexico, uh, coming from Central America, whatever, but. She actually wrote it um, uh, thinking about um, refugee moms um, uh, fleeing war, um, but um, that's what most of these immigrants are doing. They're, they're, they're fleeing. Most of the, the immigrants on our southern border right now, this is a humanitarian crisis, right? They, they're, 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 they're fleeing adverse conditions. They're um, trying to get to safety. Um, so they're asylum seekers uh, for the most part. So that's what the, this what the second verse is about. Longer. You got to dance with the devil on a river to be. 
things about the lines in this uh, second verse um so that line after carrying your baby on your back across the desert you know uh, again with the empathy right like if you uh if you think like you weren't born in the u.s you were born uh somewhere that's that that's war-torn somewhere that um is being run by cartels somewhere where your life is in danger just from trying to exist um and um and you're, and you're trying to get your kids to safety it's just heartbreaking. It's heart wrenching. It's gut wrenching uh, to think about situations like that and uh, how um, all those things sort of work. So, yeah. So that's what the the, the second verse is about. Um, now, the the other line that I really like in there is this line of "You look tired, but you don't look scared." Um, I think there's such a such a beautiful sense of resilience in that line, and I think that's fantastic. So. Um, yeah, that that that's great. It also has this perspective of punching up against forces that marginalize and um, are dehumanizing people. So the, the certain comedian uh, recently who's been doing a lot of punching down, and that's been one of my biggest uh, frustrations with it. But um, any sort of protest song, any sort of um, uh, song that is trying to uh, to bring people together, should always be um, trying to bring down systems that oppress, right? And so so you're you're the powerless, and you're working against the powerful that are uh, marginalizing people. So that's what that's one of the main things about this song that makes it fantastic. So yeah, we come into one last run through of the uh, of the the chorus, but Brandy Carlisle in her very Brandy Carlisle way ends it with this just beautiful, beautiful end note. So I'm gonna we're gonna listen to that part. It's coming up right here. She does it live. We've seen her live multiple times. Me and my wife, we've seen her live multiple times. And I mean, she could just be standing next to you and sing like that. She doesn't need microphones and outboard gear. I love the string part at the end of this. It's fantastic. Very tasteful.
All right, so there you go. That's Brandy Carlisle, The Joke, and uh, that is my three songs. So that's my my take on what great songwriting is and what inspiring uh, songwriting is. Um, I'd love to hear from you um, online. If you follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever, send me a message. Um, what songs do you think are, are, are super well-written? That's just my perspective. But there's you know thousands and thousands of incredible songs out there in the world, and um, that's not to say that this is the, the only uh, the only list of, of, of great songs. But I thought these three gave us um, kind of a good insight into what great songwriting looks like, what are some great examples over time, and what are the key elements that make a song great. And like I said, I'd love to hear from you on your perspective on that. So there you go. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Just a quick reminder to follow me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Like and subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to this. Leave a rating and tell a friend. Also, big thanks to Charlie Marks for providing the music for the show. Until next time, everybody. Have a good one.